Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you're having a great day. I was going to say Labor Day, (laughs) but then I realized, wait a minute, you're not going to be listening to this until tomorrow. And you may not even be in the United States. And so you might be like, what is Labor Day? But it's a day off here on a Monday. I always record these on a Monday. And my kids are home. So we did have a long, fun day. But I told them that now I have to go in my office and record this. And so I threatened everybody's life. Just kidding. (laughs) Or am I? To be quiet. But if you hear kids in the background, those are going to be very punished kids. No, I'm just kidding again. (laughs) But you may hear like some human noises in the background today. Like I just heard one just now. Whatever. I'm not going to sweat it. So I want to talk to you today about um, an episode that I've been wanting to do actually for quite some time because I try to do episodes that come up often in my private Facebook group. So if you're in my private Facebook group, you recognize that. If you're not in my private Facebook group, you should join it, which I always say. And it is AT Parenting Kids with Anxiety and OCD. And you can do a Facebook search. You can go on my website at anxioustoddlers.com and look at the very bottom of the page on the left-hand side. And there's a button you can press, or you can just look in the show notes if you're listening to this in iTunes, and there'll be a link that you can that you can click because it's a great group. It's over a thousand parents now, probably be even more when you go in there because it's constantly growing. Very, very supportive people. But what I wind up doing a lot in that group, and I'm sorry if you're in that group and I do this a lot, but I'll read threads and people post very similar problems all the time. And I will, I will give some suggestions, you know, if there's something personal that I can offer, But a lot of times I'll just say, ooh, listen to this podcast or, oh, watch this YouTube video because I do have a YouTube channel as well, not to be totally self-promoting every time I talk to you, but it's like where all the resources are. So I'll leave a link to my YouTube videos as well in the show notes and it's on my website too. So it's just at the very top. It'll say YouTube, very original, but I will leave links in the Facebook group to answers because it's so hard to respond to people in a, especially because I'm a therapist. So it's really hard for me to respond to people in a very succinct fashion where I feel like, okay, they're going to totally get what I'm saying in a Facebook thread. So I'll leave a couple of, you know, suggestions or something, but more often than not, I'll say, watch this episode. No, that's, you can't watch an episode. (laughs) I'll say, watch this YouTube video or more often because I have much more material in my podcast, I'll say, listen to this podcast. This is, this is going to be what you need, but I've been missing this topic. And this topic is about scrupulosity, OCD, or commonly known as moral OCD. And people don't ask to know more about moral OCD. They ask questions that I say are, huh, have you ever thought that that's moral OCD? And more often than not, I'll get the response, moral OCD or scrupulosity OCD. What are you talking about? And that's the exact same response I get in my therapy office all the time. So this is a much needed episode, even though it's a very, very 
specific topic because OCD in and of itself is a pretty specific topic when you're talking about childhood OCD. There are a lot more people out there who listen to me who want more anxiety information, even though I am like very, very, very passionate about OCD and anxiety, but more so OCD lately because I just finished my OCD class, my online class, and I will talk to you about that at the end. So stay tuned because I have some really great news, or I perceive it as great news to talk to you about regarding that. But moral OCD is even narrower, but it deserves its own episode because parents miss it so much. Like I would have to say almost 99.9% of the time, this is a missed thing. And if a parent already knows what it's called, it's only because they've already seen a therapist. So let's talk about what it is, how it looks, because it looks different for different kids, but there are some pretty major overall themes. And then I'll talk to you about as a parent, what you can do to kind of help your kids because moral OCD ironically is probably the most common OCD I treat in my office. And that's not a coincidence. It's because, well, I'm trying to think why that actually is. <laughs> sounded like I really knew the answer for a second. My guess is because it's very draining on the parent. And so a lot of other OCD can go undercover pretty easily. And it's not detected until the child is like in their teen teenhood when they're very upset by the OCD and then they talk to their parents. But a lot of other OCD can go undercover. But moral OCD... I'm just going to call it moral OCD instead of scrupulosity OCD, because that's a mouthful. And they are the same. It's just, we'll talk about the religious component versus just a pure moral component, but they're the same thing. They're just different sides of the same coin, if that makes sense. So it involves the parents with the child because there's a lot of confessing going on. There's a lot of mom, I have a bad thought. So let's get into it. Let me start talking to you about what it looks like. And then in the second half of this episode, I'm going to talk to you about what you can do to help your child. So moral OCD is centered around intrusive thoughts. And that's why it's not caught often because it's all mental. So the child will have an intrusive thought that normally centers around something that their brain thinks is taboo. And the, the overall arching theme of it is that I'm a bad person. And so anyone with moral OCD has the theme, I'm a bad person because I may or may not have done bad things and I have bad thoughts. And so that makes me a bad person. That's consistent across the board. Now, how that looks for different kids depends on the family's culture, the family's religion, and the family's moral compass. And so in those broad terms, it's what would that mean in that family? So for families with a lot of faith or have a strong religion, it's going to be more of a God issue. I'm upsetting God. I feel like I'm not going to go to heaven. Sometimes there's like some Satan talk. It's, it's a religious, religious scrupulosity. And so it will incorporate religious themes, which gets really confusing for the parents and for the church to separate out, okay, what is just, you know, a religious thought versus a, a moral OCD issue for, for families that are not really strongly faith-based. I see that those kids tend to have moral OCD because it's not a religion OCD. It's about morals. And so it just spins it in different ways, depending on the child's belief and the family's beliefs. 
So kids with moral OCD that's non-religious, it's more of, I'm a bad person. I'm going to be disappointing to everybody. Um, I'm going to turn out to be a sociopath or a killer or a pedophile or all the things that could possibly be taboo in our society. So it's more of our culture and our societal norms that are being questioned. Either way, it's kind of the same thing. It's a weird, confusing type of OCD because it's all in the child's mind. They're having these intrusive thoughts. And the only compulsion that parents tend to notice is a confessional type of behavior where they normally go to the mom and it is generally the mom. Honestly, in my practice, I have never seen it be the dad. So I don't know why that is. I mean, we can all make assumptions on why that is, but it's, it's not a reflection on the father's relationship with the child because tons of families I work with have great relationships with their dad. It just tends to be with the mother for some reason. I'm sure maybe you're listening to this and you're like, well, that's not true in my family. And so I'm sure that it's not true for every family. It's just my experience. But the child will go up to the mom typically and will say, mom, I'm having some bad thoughts. Is this starting to sound familiar? (laughs) Are you like, yes. And then you'll be concerned because you're like, oh my gosh, why is my child having bad thoughts? And so you'll go to your child and say, well, what's bothering you? And then they'll start off with something like, I think that yesterday, and now it's going to be different depending on your child's theme. So I'll give you some examples. So they're going to be different for each kid. It might be something like, for moral OCD, it might be something like, I think that I might have, you know, scratched the wall as I was walking yesterday. And then the mom will look at the wall and say, um, I don't really see anything. Don't worry about it. And then it's done. And then it grows because every time you engage in that confessional OCD loop, the OCD gets bigger and the child will come back and confess more behavior. So that puts parents in an awkward place because they want to help their child. They want to listen to their child, but they are actually part of the compulsion. So I always tell parents when they come into my office and we're talking about what moral OCD is and they'll say things like, well, I don't know if it's OCD because like, where is the ritual? Where is the compulsion? And I'll say, you know, when someone has OCD and they wash their hands because they're having an obsession about germs. And then I'll say, you're the sink. (laughs) And then normally they're like, oh, when I say you're the sink, then it makes sense. But I think it's such a weird abstract concept that it often gets missed because our kids talk to us all the time. So we're not going to think that we are actually part of the compulsion and that us giving the reassurance is completing the OCD loop, which it is. And I'm sorry. And we'll talk about how you're supposed to respond or what could help minimize the damage of the OCD based on how you respond. And we'll talk about that in the second half. So your child will come up and then start confessing more behaviors. And often they will go deep, deep, deep into their little mind of their little past, you know, depending on how old they are. And they'll say things like, you know, I think when I was four, I think I stole something because I took something from your purse and I didn't tell you. And I think I stole it. And the parent will be like, well, what did you take? Because most parents initially respond with grave concern because they're like, oh my gosh, what's my child doing? They're talking about all these bad behaviors that they've done. They're having all these bad thoughts. Am I raising like a mini sociopath? And when it's moral OCD, it's not, it's not at all. And we'll talk about how to view it in a minute, but the child might say, yeah, I did take something from you when I was four. 
And the mom will say, well, what was it? Thinking, you know, they took a, like a wad of cash or whatever. And the child will be like, I think I took a piece of gum. And then you're like, oh, well, don't worry about that. I mean, that was like four years ago. In moral OCD, there are some main themes that tend to happen. So let's talk about those. So if you want to think about it, the OCD has access to your child's brain and it will find whatever is the most taboo for your child and will make them think that those are their thoughts or those are going to be their actions. And so they are not your child's thoughts. They are OCD's thoughts and OCD is going to find the thing that will be the most upsetting for them and make those their thoughts. Can you hear all the noise in the background? (laughs) I've already paused this like three times, so it's going to be noisy. Welcome to a house of five. So bear with me. I obviously don't have a sound studio. I'm in my office with a microphone. So the, the main themes that I typically see are sexual. We'll talk about that for a second. So these themes really upset parents because the sexual one is really confusing because a lot of kids will start to obsess that they are touching someone sexually. They're looking at other body parts sexually. So they're looking at your body parts sexually. They want to touch other people sexually. Other people might touch them sexually. I've seen every rendition of sexual touching. (laughs) They're worried about touching themselves because they think that's sexual. And if they have a religious moral OCD, they feel like that's a sin. A lot of the sexuality comes with feeling like it's a sin. And sometimes it's feeling like you're a pervert if it's not in a religious connotation or in a religious sort of way. But sexuality is a big one. And they do say in research that the part of the brain that OCD is impacting tends to be kind of our sexuality center. And so it makes sense that that would be one of the themes besides grooming that would be a theme for OCD. So it kind of makes sense in that way. Other types of themes I see are related to doing bad things. And so one of them is lying. So they'll constantly worry, hey, was that a lie? Um, I just said this. Was that a lie? Hey, how are you feeling today? Good. Wait a minute. I think I just lied. I'm not sure if I'm good. Um, I, I guess I'm okay. Well, I don't know. And so a lot of times with kids who have moral OCD, they'll say, I don't know a lot. I've had kids in my practice where I literally can't have a session with them because they say, I don't know. They can't answer the question because their moral OCD is saying, don't tell her because you don't really know. You know, I'll say, Hey, so where are you going to go after this? Um, I don't know. I think we're going out to eat, but I don't know. That's a lie. That's a lie because I think we are. (laughs) It's really hard to talk to kids who are really in the throes of moral OCD. And maybe you're like, yes, because you can't even talk to your own child. But the biggest strain that I've seen every family deal with is the confessions because they are nonstop. So it's sexuality, it's lying, it's stealing, it's doing something to hurt somebody else. And then they feel like maybe they did it on purpose. It's calling people bad names. It's saying upsetting things like, I think you're stupid or I think you're ugly, but I don't think you're ugly and I don't think you're stupid. So I don't know why I'm having that thought. So I need to confess it to you. And then you're like, oh gosh, why is she calling me stupid? <laughs> you know, what, what am I doing to my child? And it's not them. It's the moral OCD that is giving them these intrusive thoughts that are not their own. And then it's making them confess them to you. If that makes any sense at all. 
It is very tricky. As kids get older, their moral OCD gets more disturbing. And so with little kids, I see things like lying and maybe touching body parts. As kids get older, they worry that they're a pedophile. There's actually something called pedophile OCD. And I have seen several teenagers in my practice with pedophile OCD. And then I have to convince them that that's a thing because they're convinced that they're a pedophile. So it's just a taboo thing. Sometimes it's about sexual orientation. And so it's not a homophobic thing, but depending on their own sexual orientation, they will think that they have the opposite. And so, you know, if they're gay, then they might worry that they're straight. So it's the opposite of whatever. And the thoughts upset them and then they confess them and they check with other people for reassurance. And that's where the compulsion comes in. As kids get older, the compulsions move away from the parents and they can do things for themselves. They might have to, and then they're into like the regular realm of compulsions. So I have an intrusive thought that I want to kill people. I don't want to be a killer. So I have to do blah, 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 a certain amount of times to get the thought out of my head. And that can be pretty much anything. So initially it starts off with confessional behavior, but eventually it moves into just very typical OCD compulsions. And sometimes they're mental, mental compulsions. They have to like say a prayer in their head, or they have to say a certain phrase or do something that's mental. And so parents aren't picking up on the mental compulsions. So that's pretty much moral OCD in a nutshell. I'm just summarizing it just so that you can kind of get an idea of what it is and what it typically looks like. So up next, I'm going to talk to you about the best way to help your child and how moral OCD is typically treated. Stay tuned. That's what's up next. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Well, welcome back. So let's talk about what you can do to help your kids with moral OCD. The first one is going to seem really, really simple, but it's actually huge. Educate your child on it. Every single time I tell a child that I have heard all of their scary stuff before, and that there is a name for what they have, and it's called moral OCD, I see a wave of relief on their face. Because the biggest issue with moral OCD, you feel like you're the only one that has these thoughts. And you also feel like, why am I having them? And so it makes you feel like a bad person, which is the whole crux of moral OCD, because you don't understand, if you're a good person, why would you have these bad thoughts? And that's what kids always say to me. If I was a good person, I wouldn't have these sexual thoughts. I wouldn't think these weird sexual fantasies about my mom or my dad or my teacher or my dog. And when they are told, yeah, that's part of moral OCD. And I know it's horrible. And who wants to have those kind of thoughts? But there's a name for it. It's actually really common. So much better because then they're like, oh, these aren't my thoughts. These are OCD's thoughts. Okay. And there's a relief in that. It is important as a parent to not normalize it. And I know that sounds really weird. The knee jerk reaction that almost every parent I work with in my practice does is they say, you know, honey, that's normal. We all have those thoughts once in a while. Don't worry about it. 
And that's really not helpful because you don't have these thoughts. Yes, we all have weird thoughts, right? I mean, we have fleeting thoughts that say, Ooh, I wonder what would happen if I, you know, pulled into the other lane or, Ooh, was I staring at that too long? That was weird. And then they go away. True. We do all have some minor intrusive thoughts that we're able to move past really quickly. But in moral OCD, these are legitimately not their thoughts. The OCD is finding the most taboo, upsetting thought that the child could possibly have. And then they're presenting it to the child as if it is their own thought. So it is not their thought. It is actually the opposite of their thought. And that's what I always tell kids when I work with them. I say, OCD is going to find the most upsetting thought for you, and it's going to present it like it's your thought. So actually, it means you're a really nice person because these are opposite thoughts. That does help. So don't empathize to the point where you're like, these are normal thoughts. We all have them because then your child's going to stop telling you about them because they're going to think you don't understand. And they are being bombarded with these thoughts. So yeah, we have, we have fleeting thoughts that are like, Ooh, that was a little disturbing. Let me not sit on that one for a little while. And we let them go true. But with moral OCD, they are constantly bombarded with these thoughts. And the only relief they get is by confessing them to you, but letting them know that it's moral OCD is a big part of the puzzle. So the second thing you want to do is an I think I'm going to be very predictable here, but name it. So name your OCD, you know, whether it's, O or Mr. Bossy or your dictator, depending on their age, when you personify it, especially with moral OCD, that's super helpful because then you're pushing it even farther away from your child's own identity and you're externalizing it. So let's say it's a young child, maybe like eight then let's call it Mr. Bossy. And we'd say, you know, Mr. Bossy makes you think that you're having all these thoughts, but it's Mr. Bossy and he's lying to you. And that's what moral OCD does. Don't be afraid to use the word OCD. And I talk about that in my online class, which we'll talk about at the very end, but it's important to label things correctly. And it's not slapping a diagnosis on your child. It's giving them relief because once they know there's a name for this, people have it, then they're going to feel better especially with moral OCD. So once you've named it, let's say we're going to use Mr. Bossy for right now. When your child comes to confess to you, mom, I have to talk to you. I'm having a bad thought. Um, I think that I bumped you by accident and I touched your boob because that's the kind of stuff they confess. Then you would respond with, tell Mr. Bossy to leave you alone or tell Mr. Bossy I'm not talking to him. And that will really help. Now, a lot of times parents will worry, well, then my child is going to eventually not confess to me, but then they're going to be living with all of these thoughts in their head and they're not going to get relief. It doesn't work that way. Trust me. I've seen this a zillion times. You're not completing the compulsion there. They will probably find a new compulsion, but it won't involve you. And that is okay because the first step in beating OCD with your child is to get you out of the compulsions. The family should not be participating. And so this is a very good first step. I have worked with kids where they didn't do a new compulsion and they literally got rid of it. And that was it. And that, that doesn't often happen because OCD is insidious and it wants to look for a different angle, but I have seen that happen in my practice. You can also tell your child to think things like, this is not my thought. This is OCD. And I've had kids who, who will tell me they'll have these intrusive thoughts. And then in their brain, they say, 
that's not my thought. That's OCD. And I'm not going to give Mr. Bosti any more attention. So I'm going to let it go. That's really hard. It's really hard for them to do, especially if they can't differentiate what is an OCD thought and what is their own thought. But that is one way that you can try to help them as well is prompt them and say, you know, tell, tell Mr. Bossy that that's his thought and not your thought and that you don't need that and to throw it in the trash. So that kind of personification can really help. If your child is having a really hard time or if they're really, really young and they're not going to get this whole thing, then you can schedule, you know, you know, the book, what to do when you worry too much by Don Hubner. I really love that. I love her in general. I think she's a great author and it's a great book. And if you haven't read it, you should, if you have an anxious kid, it's not really good for OCD. Um, what to do when your brain gets stuck is a better one, but she does this thing called worry time at the end of the day, you know, your child comes and brings all of their worries. I'm not a fan of that part of her book just because I, I have a different approach on that, but I love all the other things that she teaches. But if you have a child with OCD and they confess a lot, you could do that as a baby step is say, you know what? At the very end of the day, I will talk to Mr. Bossy directly, but we're going to work on it. And eventually we're not going to talk to Mr. Bossy at all. And so you schedule Mr. Bossy time, call it Mr. Bossy time so that your child knows that it's their OCD talking and not them. And that's something you can do as a baby step to just having a blanket response of, I'm not talking to Mr. Bossy. That's ultimately where you want to go. The thing that is the most effective in helping a child with any type of OCD is exposure response prevention and ERP. So you want to find a therapist that does ERP and you want to get in with them and learn the skills so that you can do ERP at home because that's really what is going to fix this. Because ironically, instead of avoiding, you are going to want your child to be exposed to these thoughts and you're going to need someone to help walk you through that of what will that look like? Because it's different for each kid and each scenario, because they're spending a lot of time avoiding and thinking they're bad and they're avoiding their thoughts. Ironically, you want to flood them with these thoughts so that they habituate to it and it loses its power. And that's really what ERP is all about. And for parents that don't understand our ERP, it can sound kind of weird and scary, especially when we're talking about moral OCD, then you have to get really creative. What does that mean? So, you know, if you have a child that's imagining that they're smoking because that's taboo to them, then you might have to show them images of people smoking. And that seems really weird, but that is kind of an ERP approach and it's super effective. So I will leave a link in the show notes. If you're listening to this on iTunes or on my website at anxioustoddlers.com, hit podcast and find this one. Cause I don't know what the actual address will be <laughs> for this, but I did do a YouTube video on what ERP is and why it helps. So that would be a good thing. But I do want to talk about my class because we're at the end of this podcast and really the true answers, the true meaty answers are, are in the class because there's no way I can teach you how to do ERP in a 30 minute podcast. It's just not going to happen. And I get so many questions about OCD that I already have an anxiety online class. I thought, you know, OCD is even more important because you can find a therapist that can do anxiety therapy. You know, pretty much any therapist, any good therapist is going to know how to address and handle anxiety. But 
Most, well, I don't want to say most, but many therapists don't understand OCD. OCD is a beast of its own, and the approaches that research shows are the most effective, ERP, CBT, a lot of therapists aren't trained in for OCD. And if you don't understand OCD, you can give really bad advice. I mean, I got an email just this week from a dad where the girl was doing so amazing and such great progress. And she went to the school counselor and she has like intense OCD and we've made incredible progress. And the school counselor told her, Oh, well, you know, whenever you get nervous, just tap your fingers. And then the dad was like, you know, she's tapping her fingers all the time. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) It was like the worst thing to tell her. So people have good intentions, but they don't understand OCD. So I made an OCD online class because a lot of people don't, a lot of people struggle finding providers that understand and say they treat OCD. And in fact, as a weird total side note, I finally decided that I need to get my own son into therapy because he's seven and OCD is very unique and he, I'm mom. So he's not really talking to me about his compulsions. I got to talk quiet because he's, he's in the house. <laughs> and finally, Sarah, who's in our Facebook group, who is sweeter than sweet messaged me. And she said, are you getting him help? And she said, she was very poignant because she said, you know, the cobbler's children never wear shoes. And that really, it crushed me. And then it was eye opening because I'm like, the cobbler's children don't wear shoes. What does that have to do with me? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I get it. And I really appreciate it. So Sarah, if you're listening, I don't know if she would listen to this episode, but I want to say thank you because she was right. And so I was like, you know, I need to get him a therapist that specializes in ERP so they, someone can work with him directly. And I could not find anyone but me (laughs) in the entire Valley. I found one person through, I think gateway, I think is the name of, um, gateway Institute. No gateway therapy. I'm not sure, but they're in several locations across the country and they sounded amazing but they're, they didn't take insurance and their rates were really, really high. And then I met one other person and his rates were really, really high. And these aren't even people who work with kids. These are just people who understand OCD. And so every time I did a search, the only name that would pop up was Hill Child Counseling, which is my own stupid practice. And I'm like, ah, why can't I go to me? Not to sound conceited at all. That's not my intention, but I was just so frustrated and it was so weird to be on the other side as a parent feeling trapped. Like I can't find any help for my kid. I did finally find someone and I'm so thankful. And I actually go to her tomorrow for a parent only session because I always tell everybody go by yourself the first time because you don't want your child to hear you go over the whole history and whatever. So fingers crossed for me. I found somebody who at least understands OCD and hopefully they can relate to a seven-year-old. That's the tricky part. It's like, okay, once they get OCD, do they work with little kids? And the answer is normally no, because you're not going to be an expert in both. So I guess we're, or I am a rare gem. So I made an online class because a lot of times parents can't find somebody. So either you're working with a child therapist who's amazing, which is great, but you need to learn the tools or your child's refusing to go, which is a lot of the time, right? Or you can't find somebody in your area. So my online class is crazy big because I, I'm very obsessive. (laughs) 
And so this class is made to teach you everything about OCD. And also it's like a mini therapy training. I give you all the tools that you can use at home. I give you all the worksheets and I created them for this class handouts that I created for the class and there are video lessons that are really short and I hope entertaining because they are, um, they're not boring. They're not just me staring at you. They should be hopefully interesting, (laughs) but there's 39 video lessons. They're all about five, six minutes long, very bite-sized, simplistic videos. Some like one of them is pretty meaty at 15 minutes, but they are in total about four hours worth of video lessons and there's 23 worksheets. And I didn't even realize I made that many because I was making them as I was going. And so that's a lot of worksheets. So I didn't even realize I had so many because I was trying to print them out for my own practice. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's like 23. Cause I created a worksheet for almost every aspect that I teach you. So caveat, it's not therapy and seek out your own mental health professional, but Really, this is like a one-stop shop. You can do everything at home because in my practice, I teach parents and then they go and they do it at home. And so I basically kind of, you know, acted like you're in my office and I taught you what I would teach parents in my practice. And in fact, from now on, I'm giving everybody who comes into my practice um, access to this course because that's going to save me time in therapy. I'm going to be like, okay, you take my course and I will work with your child and then we'll come back and we'll be perfect. It's going to save a lot of time. Cause I don't even have my, my practice is closed. It's been closed for a really long time and people email me and they want to come in and I don't have time. I don't have space. So it's too busy. Cause I'm, cause I'm too busy talking to you and the cat. So if you have a child with OCD and you're like, Oh gosh, I would love to know how to actually help my child. I would love to know how to do ERP at home because I have no idea. You can take my online class. I will leave a link below in the show notes or I'll just give you the website. It's not www. It's just anxioustoddlers.teachable.com backslash P as in Paul, but don't put, write the Paul, just the P backslash child dash OCD. That's kind of a long address. I'll leave a link. If you're confused, you can go to my website or you can email me at anxioustoddlers at yahoo.com. I am very excited about it. So you should be listening to this on Tuesday, which is tomorrow. And I told everybody that for the first 48 hours of any time I launch um, a class, although honestly, this class has drained me so much because I've been working on this class for what feels like half a year. So it may be a little bit shorter than a half a year, but it's been a really long time. So I think I'm probably going to stop working on classes for a little while and maybe just work on my OCD book when I have time, because right now I just want to eat bonbons and watch TV because I'm exhausted. But For the first 48 hours that I ever launch a class, I always do it half off, which is pretty nice because I don't normally discount my classes because I put so much effort into them. I don't do a lot of sales. So normally the class is $127 and for the next 48 hours, it's going to be half that, which I think is $64. It's a really good deal because I don't normally cut my classes in half. So, and therapy, not to be horrible, but sessions with me can cost you up to $150 if you don't have insurance. So that's a lot. So this is less than one session with me, which is pretty crazy, but I want it to be affordable. There are people who can't go to therapy because they can't afford it. So I'm not trying to break the bank, but hopefully it'll be really great for you. And if you want, go check it out. If you have questions about it, you can email me at anxioustollers.com. 
So I want to give you the promo code that will only work for 48 hours. And that is BEAT OCD. That's B as in Bob, E-A-T, OCD. I don't even have to spell that because I think you know how to spell it. So when you go to the checkout, there'll be a little button at the very, like kind of in the checkout and it will say coupon and it's a pink button says coupon, press the coupon button, write beat OCD in capitals and you will get half off right away. So that's pretty cool. So do that. And that's only going to be for 48 hours. So I'm going to start that tonight at midnight but if you're in Australia, you are like seriously ahead of me. You're like 17 hours ahead. But for everybody else, you're not going to be that much ahead. So it's going to be Arizona time. So I'm sorry about that. So it's going to be Monday at midnight. Well, I guess that's technically Tuesday. So Tuesday at midnight. Wait a minute. Okay. I don't know how you would say that. <laughs> Today's Monday and it's going to be at midnight. And in Australia, it's a different day because I just had to organize an interview with somebody in Australia. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're 17 hours ahead of me. That's crazy. We're in different days. So I don't know what day it is where you are listening, but tonight at midnight in Arizona time, which is Mountain Standard, it's going to go, the um, Beat OCD promo code will be in effect for 48 hours. Well, that was very convoluted. And I'm sorry, I'm talking so much about this, but I'm very excited. And I also want to make sure that you get the discount. So if you're listening to this at a different time, like maybe in five years, and I'm like 50, this code won't work for you. And I apologize. But check it out anyway. So I hope you're having a great day. And I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com. 